Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. For today's review, I'm joined by friends of the show, Berto and Max, to review Alejandro Amanbar's 2001 gothic horror film, The Others, which is currently streaming on HBO Max. Nicole Kidman stars as Grace, a mother caring for her two children who suffer from a rare photosensitivity disease. As her husband is missing, she entrusts the help of servants to aid in caretaking the children, as well as their lavish property. But upon the servant's arrival, strange occurrences begin unfolding within the walls of their home. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. What's going on? No problem. Uh, we we're playing it pretty safe. Following up after our last conversation, we're going from one haunting film to another. Yeah. Uh, so I'm yeah. interested to see what you guys thought of this because this, while this is a haunting film, much like the Autopsy of Jane Doe, I think it's stylistically it's pretty distinctly different. Mm, it definitely feels completely different from the uh, the other one. It's got I like the story more in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Personally, it's a little yeah. more involving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, like I thought it was great. Um, I watched it with Candace mm. and she actually watched the movie before. And so <laughs> like halfway through the movie, she's like, I can't remember what happens. I can't remember what happens. And then she's like, Oh yeah. And then she oh, kind of tells me what the end oh, <laughs> wow. is. But, oh. but it was I like, it was kind of like, Oh, come on. But it was also, it was cool to like, see how the whole story unfolded. Yeah. Um, knowing the ending and I, I thought it i mean still a great movie I, I enjoyed it it's also one of those movies where the twist is great but the entire movie is not really de- your engagement and enjoyment is not defined by the twist i feel like mm. right. as late as the twist is revealed and obviously most twists are revealed towards the end of the movie but at the same time you can still appreciate and for me at least i was engaged all the way throughout whether or not like they actually had that twist or not. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has. Um, yeah. It, it, there wasn't anything crazy going on, but I thought the story itself was so interesting and intriguing that kind of kept me hooked into it. Like there was no crazy action or any, anything that you would think of in a horror, scary movie, a haunting movie, but the story itself was, I thought was pretty well written to the point where you, you kind of were intrigued and were just want to know what, what's going on what what is happening in the house you know so i thought it was well written and i enjoyed it it was a good one i, I like how they he was able to build suspense throughout the whole movie um i don't think there's really any any downtime um from you know the the supernatural action with you hear the the footsteps or the furniture moving um or you know the children seeing victor but also the the acting between the servants and Grace was a weird tension. I thought, you know, I think, I think the, the servants, even as supporting characters, I think they carried much of the, the servants carried the plot while Grace kind of moved the story along. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they both supported each other very well. Yeah. I think, so I had never seen the movie before and, I was unsure whether it was going to be a case of it presenting itself as kind of a traditional supernatural haunting movie, or was it going to be, in the end, the reveal is that Nicole Kidman basically losing her mind or she's starting to show signs of like dealing with the trauma of the fact that she's not willing to accept that her husband essentially has died at war. Um, And that's something that I think he does really well, and it kind of plays into the style of trying to get through the fact that she's dealing with children that she's not really that equipped to be taken care of in a lot of ways. And 
the initial mystery of the whole film is that when the servants show up, she is just so matter of fact about the servants before them just disappeared mm. and just mm -hmm. left. And that's kind of the initial mystery that drew me in, at least in that I was like, well, the fact that she's so nonchalant about the fact that an entire staff just disappeared and it's not raising red flags for her is like highly right. suspect right from the jump. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, back to what you were saying about like she was not prepared to deal with the kids. I thought that was really interesting because you see that a lot, the way that the kids fear her and just like that relationship they have. It's it's really interesting that she got put she's put in this situation where there's a massive house and there's only two kids and it's just them and then the serving staff of three people and they're scattered literally throughout the whole house. It's like it doesn't make sense. And like you kind of sense there's some sketchiness going on. But at the same time, mm -hmm. in Grace's mind, it just seems like her head is like all over the place. Like she doesn't know what like what's going on. And like there's like the relationship between her and her kids are just it's so it feels distance in a sense, or like it feels like the kids are they have fear of her. Like she's very like there's dominant. like a coldness there. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, like you said, coldness. Yeah, and it's like it's very very harsh relationship to have as a mother to their kids. I guess with their kids. No, I, I think it's just kind of a forced relationship, uh, especially when uh, you know she's doing those lessons, kind of homeschooling them. Um, a lot of it's you know. Uh, almost like a Catholic school yeah. mm. and she's teaching them about heaven and hell. And, and she mainly just talks about hell or yeah. limbo. She and goes in like, on you know, hell. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, are you bad? You know, if you're, if you misbehave, if you do, if you lie or whatever, you're, you're not going to go to hell because you're baptized, but you're going to get really close. That's a really pivotal scene too, I think, in just showing her lack of just ability to like care with, for the kids long-term. Because yeah. essentially the way that her relationship is framed with them and the husband is like, okay, I'm going to be their, ter their caretaker while my husband's away at war. But obviously when he doesn't come back, she's not really equipped to kind of deal with that long term. And it's almost like she's just reading off a script, like a yeah. motherhood script in a lot of ways, because mm -hmm. she does introduce like religion and all these different teachings. But then as soon as her daughter, Anne, starts to kind of push back a little bit on that, she kind of just shuts down and she, like Berto said, she basically changes and she gets very uh, aggressive with them and kind of just like speaking down to the, belittling them and all these things. And it kind of just shows that she doesn't, she kind of lacks like motherhood skills in a lot of yeah. ways. And it's like, it's my way or you can just get out kind of thing. Yeah, it, def it definitely has that. Like she brings that vibe of like, definitely not ready to take care of kids. And like you, like you said, no, she kind of breaks down in the sense like, like as soon as like the daughter starts snapping back at her or are questioning her teachings, she's like, she doesn't know where to explain it and where to go. And it seems like she was very straightforward with it. Like, like even telling her like, you're going to go to hell or kids go to limbo in hell. It's like, mm -hmm. there's no, like, she just put it straightforward. There was no like kind of easier way to kind of make them feel more comfortable just the way she explained right. it, it was just like straightforward. Like you're going to die and you're going to be in this place where you're stuck forever and there's nothing going on and you're there by yourself. And it's like, you could have probably made that a little easier had your, if it was like, if it felt like it was a more mother relationship, it would have been like, um, she would probably explain in a much easier, nicer way. It just seemed like she there's was just no sugarcoating it. Yeah. Right. She's just straight to the point with it. Yeah. Considering we learn or we see early on rather that like her son, Nicholas, he is obviously he's the younger of the two kids, but he's very much like the baby of the two of them. And he scares very easily and just from little things. And so for her to have this such a 
white and black description of hell and all of these things, and you'll be stuck there forever and all of these things. It just, again, speaks to this idea of this kind of coldness that defines her in a lot of ways that it's there whether or not the movie ends up being a haunting or not, which is why, for me at least, it took me a long time to kind of suss out whether this is her losing her mind or if there's actually something supernatural going on. Not to compare this too much to the autopsy of Jane Doe, but this movie has a very different pacing to that movie, I think, in that autopsy of Jane Doe is a little more concise, whereas the others kind of takes its time in introducing the world and the characters. So... I, would you guys describe this as like a slow burn kind of a horror movie? I think so. I, I would. I mean, it's even, even the supernatural aspects of it, you kind of question because um, Grace does seem a little off. You know, there's, it's um, being in that pretty much an empty house by herself. Um, husband's missing, servants are missing. There are a lot of red flags in the first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, it's just kind of a very slow pace. You introduce, um, you know, the various characters and then it's more of a movie that you, you kind of have to watch because it's also like facial expressions of the characters and like little looks that they give each other. And, and so it's more of a, I think, character development movie than something like the the autopsy of Jane Doe where it's, three people in in a room instead it's you know five people in a mansion so i would say slow burn yeah i feel like it definitely like max was saying like i think it it takes like you really got to pay attention to the way people react like the cast member they react when they're talking when they're talking to each other like you notice a lot of the facial expressions that the um the mistresses or like the uh, the servants did while they were speaking to grace you could tell there's something wrong like um, I think uh, what was the the, the uh, one of the servants the yeah Miss, uh, Mrs. Mills like when you you see the interaction with her and um, Grace you can really tell that like she knows something like something is going mm-hmm. on like she knows something about it just by her reaction she's like kind of has like this question mark like you don't really know this like you're not aware of what's going on and like just kind of hinting at like she knows more about the house than Grace does and she's more aware of what's going on in the house than Grace does and it's like you feel, I feel like you have to really focus and pay attention to the movie in order for you to pick those things up. It's not one of those movies where you can kind of just throw it on and like watch it. And then you'll know, still know what's going on, whether you're paying attention or not. It's more like you have to be mm-hmm. focused and like really try to pick up on small details of the cast. So like just the way they react or the way to their facial expressions or little subtle movements they do that kind of explains the backstory, I guess, of what's really happening. Yeah. I think uh, Emma Bar does a really fantastic job of kind of stringing along this idea that there's something going on behind the scenes and we notice it early on. It's not even just like very, it's not apparent at the beginning of, in terms of like what the actual mystery is alluding to, but it's kind of like both of you guys were saying in that, it's all about studying the characters' reactions to what one another is saying. And it's very much Miss Mills very clearly reacting differently than the audience is to what um, Grace is saying. And it's almost as if she knows more than what, obviously, she's saying. And we find out that's the case in the end. But it is really this idea that we're given this kind of like breadcrumbs throughout the movie. And I think the way that he addresses those breadcrumbs is really engaging, but it's like you guys have both said also in that it is about the characters 
first and foremost. And I think in being a slow burn, a lot of movies specifically like the others kind of get a lot of flack for like a lack of scares. But I think all the legwork that he does throughout the movie in terms of dedicating it to the characters really has, it adds a lot more weight to the scares when we get them because the apparent haunting happens at the end of the movie. And in a lot of ways, it's things that we've seen before, but I feel like it has a lot more weight just because we've been so invested and there's been a very clear buildup to the kind of overt haunting moments. So I was, I was going to add to that. Um, so like for me, like also the fact that it takes place in this house in, in the setting of like, it was 1945, I think with, during world war two. Yeah. And it's the house itself has like this creepy vibe that like, every, like all the shades are being shut. You have to use candles. There's no electricity and like all the doors are being locked and it's got like this really freaky vibe. So like throughout the whole movie, I feel like you're kind of expecting something to pop out of the shadows of the door or like behind the door or like some kind of creepy thing. And it's like, I feel like the surrounding, the environment plus the, like the connect, like the, the, the relationship between the characters and just the, the sense that, you know, it's a scary movie. So you're kind of expecting something creepy to happen. And then, I feel like that just adds so much tension to the scene, every scene that happens because like as soon as we, uh, Grace notices, she starts hearing things. You're kind of like, Holy shit, something's going to go down and you're kind of expecting and you can hear the house, you know, the house is made out of wood. So everything creaks and you can hear the sounds echoing cause everything's shut. And it's like, it's got like this very creepy vibe to it, which I think it adds a lot to the intensity of the movie. Although it's not nothing out of like, I mean, it's paranormal, but like no monsters popping out of the shadows, but it still has this Mm -hmm. intensity and fright and scaredness to it that helps. Yeah, I was I was really taken by just how well he utilizes that setting. Mm -hmm. And again, that was something that I thought they did really well in the autopsy of Jane Doe. But this actually feels like a space that is not inherently scary is made really, really scary or very ominous just through the use of like shadows. Mm -hmm. And I actually read that he liked focusing on shadows so much and the fact that shadows, essentially that's what's scary for most of the movie, like you said, Berto, mm-hmm. in that anything could be hiding in those shadows at any moment. And you kind of go through the entire movie assuming that something's about to jump out at you. Um, and he wanted to play around with shadows so much that some of the scenes were actually lit by candles mm-hmm. instead of like traditional uh, lighting and whatnot that they usually use for films just to kind of <laughs> further evoke that very like gothic sensibility like yeah we're gonna have this environment that doesn't actually have anything scary in it be scary just kind of in the way we manipulate the shadows max what did you think of the uh kind of setting i thought it was um i mean from from the onset you know the the house was kind of unnerving but uh i think the director did a great job in making the plot point that the kids are photosensitive Mm -hmm. because that automatically makes you know, gives a reason as to why the house is dark and why the house has to be dark. Mm-hmm. And so you have this spacious uh, home, a lot of shadows, and, and that's what Grace pointed to initially um, when the, she was giving the walkthrough to the servants. They said that, um, you, you know, you don't have to take us around the whole house. And she's like, well, no, I have to because, you know, the house is dark. You're going to trip over a table. Like, you need to know where everything is, and I need to show you where everything is. Um, and that interaction is kind of important because one, you see the servant kind of know what's going on and it also kind of shows how controlling, um, grace is, which kind of, you know, you see the ripple effect over the course of the movie. But as far as the, the house is concerned, um, I think, you know, the director did a great job, like you said, playing with shadows and also, um, 
the use of fog, like the exterior shots, uh, very traditional, I, I yeah. think would be very classic or traditional, spooky, foggy, mm. haunted house, um, exterior shot. And I, I mean, I, I think it was very well done for such a large space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, taking it back to what you mentioned about the kids and their photosensitivity, did you guys believe that they actually had that disease when she brings it up? What was your initial take on that? Did you kind of assume she was telling the truth or did you think there might have been something more to that? I, I kind I think of there's something more to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was a little it was it was a little too convenient. Um mm-hmm. but I thought maybe, you know, that was my first red flag that maybe the kids uh there's something actually wrong with them. Like there were some like, you know, gremlins locked in the basement <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um yeah. or or they uh or they were dead or they weren't real mm-hmm. you know they're either ghosts they were the you know they were the quote-unquote others or they were ghosts or they just weren't real at all mm-hmm. you know they never existed yeah i definitely questioned that i was like well how did how did how come the kids have it and like you know the the mother doesn't have it you know that's why i was like kind of questioning that i'm like how come she can be in light and they can so i was very skeptical about that and like max said i was like Maybe they're, they're the reason why the house has problems, you know? So I was very skeptical, definitely, about that. I was like, huh, I don't know if that's how... I'm, I was curious more about how that was going to evolve throughout the plot, like how it was going to end up resolving that problem or what we we're going to see, what, what their issue actually was. Yeah, I assumed that initially this was something she was kind of projecting onto the kids mm-hmm. in that it's another example of like her sanity kind of falling apart and this is one of the ripples of that in that her behavior she's using her children to excuse her own bizarre behavior in that Mm. i assume she was like agoraphobic or something where she won't leave the house and she's scared of the outside world because she's been in the house for so long that she made up some disease that her children have that she's like these windows have to be closed otherwise the children will die yeah and i thought that that was kind of like a terror tactic also that she was using on her kids like pair that with that overbearing gloom and doom kind of religious lesson that she was giving them and then at the same time if you go outside or look out the windows you'll die kind of thing mm. yeah and this was this was actually i think during world war Two, and they mentioned that the germans had occupied that island so mm-hmm. i think you know it it stands to reason um with your theory jay that you know it was more of a was it munchausen syndrome like she there she's projecting these these fears onto her children and like, well, you know, the Germans are here. Like if you go near the windows, you know, it might, might've been a more of a mental illness than an actual physical illness of the kids. That idea might've paranoid grace, put it, the fact that they're in war and they're, they have so much fear of the Germans that she kind of had the kids kind of hide out the whole time just to, it wasn't really a virus is it for her own sake of making sure the kids were safe the whole time, just to keep them away mm-hmm. from the window. So the Germans didn't see it and they would take over the house to say, oh, there's people in the house, you know? And I was really impressed kind of just the ways in which he took this very classic Victorian style home that, again, he make it's just a normal house, but the ways in which he's able to make it creepy without having some overt haunting moment occur for basically three-fourths of the movie, I was really impressed by kind of not only with the shadows, but there's that first instance where she starts hearing laughter and Mm -hmm. she hears people running around And there's just that scene where she's walking through that room and there's all the furniture that has sheets over it. And you're assuming something's about to jump out at at any point. It's just a room with sheets on furniture. Yeah. And Mm. I think his ability to kind of 
weaponize our fear of what we would expect is really well done. And the fact that he's able to string moments like that along the whole movie until we get to that one big jump scare at the very end. Were there any scenes like that that stood out to you guys where it's not an overt haunting moment, but kind of just his use of space? Well, I was, I was going to say that that scene was really like, that was one of those scenes that I thought it was really well executed in the sense that, like you were saying, like there, that was like in any other movie, there would definitely been a scary moment in that. But that was just like, basically we get to see that there was a room that there's literally, there's nothing there. It's just furniture. And like you, in a normal movie, you would expect that to be a scary moment, but he just used it as a, another way of just saying like, this is not a traditional scary movie where somebody's going to come under the sheets, you know? And then we get mm-hmm. to see her reflection on the glass. And I, that also I was expecting that scene to be one of those scary scenes where like she sees a reflection in behind her. There's like someone standing, but right. a, a scene that I thought was, like that i feel like when they were like walking through through the hallways like there's a scene where she's walking with a candle through a hallway and like i was expecting like a door to like shut or someone run in front of it kind of like a shadow um and i I don't know i feel like that moment i would have expected it to like her trying to get to the kid when i think he's like he's like studying by himself the first time i was expecting you know Mm -hmm. she goes through a door she has to lock every door and i would expect her to try to like open a door and it just doesn't open or something like some kind of scary moment where she's stuck in this room between two locked doors and there's something going on but the the overtly scary scene would be when um the old lady or Anne possesses the old lady or the old lady possesses Anne, uh the medium and she's sitting there in like the white veil, oh, yeah. playing with yeah. the the marionette, and it's this voiceover of this old woman, but with a child's voice. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty unnerving. I oh, I yeah. think that was a very well done. And uh, I mean, the other scene, I guess, the piano scene, um, mm-hmm. when you know when she keeps op- the piano's playing and she opens the to check to see if there's someone in there, one of the intruders, but you know, the room's empty. And then, you know, at the end of the scene, the door slams in her face and she kind of has that um, moment where she realizes that there's, you know, the house is haunted or something, you know, something else is going on. Yeah. I was a big fan of the fact that a majority of the scares early on are things that are easily dismissed Mm. right away in that, okay, she heard voices. It could have been the kids playing a prank on her. It could have been one of the servants or something like that. Another one, like you said, Max was the piano room in that maybe the door closed on its own because that's the way the door is. She forgot to lock the, the lid on the piano, which she locks kind of thing. I think for the most part, the fact that the film scales the scares so well in that they're things that are easily dismissible early on leading into obviously seeing an old woman yeah. sitting dressed in the clothes that her daughter was obviously is something she can't explain and she goes on later when characters are asking her like what the fuck was that about she can't talk her way out of that mm. and so i just think in terms of that it really helps the pacing but to uh, go back to what Berto was saying it shows a lot of restraint especially for a horror movie in early 2000s to avoid the kind of go-to obvious scares that you would expect. Like, Berta, you said in that scene where she looks in the mirror and you would assume that there would be something in the reflection behind her. Like, that's such an easy kind of jump scare. Yeah. And it's something that we would assume. And at the same time, it almost makes it scarier when it's not there for me because I'm assuming that we're going to get another scene like this. And so next time it'll be there. Next time it'll be there. Next time until... Once it actually shows up, you're so caught off guard that it kind of just makes it that much more 
impactful. Yeah, definitely. It definitely like sneaks up on you. I think that's, that's one of those, the things that I liked about this movie that it wasn't straightforward scares. Like we just talked about that scene, but there was like, it wasn't really frightening, but the one scenes that we did get that were creepy, they, they really made me jump. Like the, there was yeah. a scene in the closet, the kids in the closet that caught me completely off guard. Cause I honestly, yeah, at yeah. one point I was thinking the kids were sitting there and like a shadow from behind them was going to come out. But then the mm-hmm. fact that the door opened, it just, I literally jumped at that scene. Yeah. I jumped. To it. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a creepy scene. Yeah. And again, yeah. that's kind of like a very traditional example of a jump scare. It doesn't get any more basic than that. Mm-hmm. This idea that you're staring at an empty space and all of a sudden something pops up. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's earned in this instance because it's the only instance really of a jump scare in the whole movie. And we've been building to it. So it actually like makes you jump. And I mean, a majority of jump scares, I feel like you're so desensitized to them within the first 30 minutes of whatever you're watching that by the end of the movie, you're not going to jump at any of them because you're expecting that. Right. Yeah. The, also, the, that scene with the uh, when they're in bed and and is first talking to um, Victor because Victor keeps opening up the, the curtains. Mm-hmm. And uh, I forget I forget her brother's name, but Nicholas. Well, touches che- Nicholas, touch Nicholas's cheek mm-hmm. um, if you're here. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you just kind of see a hand. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then, yeah. Like, and and that was like that was almost like a jump scare for me um because i was expecting a hand to come but i also mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. um especially in, in my second watch i don't i don't know why i i didn't see it coming but still <laughs> it was it still caught me off guard kind of like oh my god this yeah. is actually, you know <laughs> you know there's a hand you know it's it's it was kind of uh, i don't know i even though this movie came back, it made came before it made me think of, you know, like some of the paranormal activity movies, like the conjuring mm-hmm. insidious mm-hmm. where the ghost is able to manifest itself in that second. And like, you, you finally see it. You know? Yeah. So I see like a creepy hand. I thought that, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know? It, yeah. I thought, yeah, that made me think of those scenes with the, the jump scares. No. Yeah. That, I, yeah. Sorry. I, I was definitely expecting, um, to see Victor at one point, like uh, in the shadows, mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I'm waiting for like Victor to pop out or somewhere. Like, cause like the girl talks about it so often that like the fact that he's pulling the sheets and like making, I'm like, well, where the, where the hell is Victor? Like, I want to see this kid. Like I'm just waiting. I'm, the whole movie I was waiting <laughs> yeah. for it to pop out. And I was like, the fact that we don't get to see it, I feel like in your, in my mind, I was like so tense and so ready to be creeped out by it. probably, it's probably a kid that got shot in the head or something, some kind of scary, mm-hmm. like, um, like sixth sense kind of like scene where it's like you see a ghost right. or, or like some kind of like kid that his face got torn apart or some scary looking thing. And that's literally what I was expecting the whole movie. Do you think it's disappointing that you don't get to see him or do you think it's made more powerful I th- or it embody, it gives more credence to just how well done the scares are? I think, I think it helps to build the intensity. Cause for me, I was, like I said, the whole time I was just waiting for someone to pop out and it never does happen. And the one times that we do get to see some of the scary scenes, it's like we get to see the scary scenes. It's actually pretty creepy. Like you weren't expecting it. So I guess it goes back right. to that like unexpected scare that really makes the, the moments actually scary. Yeah, for me, I'm, I subscribe to the belief that like nothing is going to be as scary as you can think about in your head right. kind of thing. Where it's like, 
I mean, it's part of why nightmares are so scary. You have a nightmare and then you wake up the next morning and you just remember you're scared, but you can't remember specifically what the thing that terrified you in your dream looked like sometimes. And so no matter what I picture in my head, like what the rest of that body looks like that's connected to that hand, if I'm shown it, then it's ultimately going to kind of just dispel the terror that I was associated with that before. Because I'd be like, oh, that's a kid with, even if he had like a hole in his head, it's just like... (laughs) Okay, that's I've seen behind the curtain now, so like I can't really be scared by that right. uh, yeah. anymore. So I guess in moving on from kind of just the scares in general that stood out to us a lot, um, given that the film has such a small cast, who amongst the cast really stood out to you, uh, Max? I'd say Mrs. Mills. Mm. Um, yeah, you know i I believe that she was more of a main character than than Grace. Um, mm-hmm. Just as someone to move the, the plot and the move the story along. Um, not only was she kind of the leader of the servants, um, she obviously knew more about what was going on than anyone else. And the whole time she was just kind of trying to guide Grace to come to terms with her situation. And the way she was doing it was very subtle at first. And then you know, as the movie progresses, she gets more and more kind of frustrated with Grace's stubbornness. And uh, especially on the rewatch, I noticed that as soon as she walks in the door, um, Mrs. Mills is dropping, you know, like you said, all these breadcrumbs, all these pretty obvious hints as to what's really going on. And, you know, Grace fails to see it. The kids eventually, I think the kids know what's going on, but they don't want to approach their mother about it uh, because of that real kind of domineering relationship that they have. But hands down, I'd say this is, this movie's more about Mrs. Mills than, or Miss Mills really kind of commands the pace of the movie more than Grace does. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Miss Mills is played by uh, Fionnula Flanagan. Um, and I would definitely agree that she's very much, I would say she's the more interesting character because like we've been talking about kind of, she's laying these breadcrumbs. So she clearly knows what's going on and that kind of makes her more interesting. Whereas I feel like Nicole Kidman's character is just so one note and over the top and just being domineering, whether she's talking to her children or the servants. And I think it's very telling about her state of mind that she treats the servants and her children very much the same way almost mm. uh, just in the way she talks to them and how she deals with conflict. Cause the main reason why I kept assuming that she was just losing her mind is because she reacts just, she just goes from zero to a hundred with everything. And it's like, everything is somebody else's fault. Nothing is her fault. Nothing supernatural. She like is very dismissive of the supernatural. And I think we know why be- now, because we know the twist of the movie and why, She's not really willing to allow herself to believe something supernatural. But Berta, who is a uh, a character that really stood out to you? Well, I was gonna say Mrs. Mill. I think she's she's mm-hmm. definitely the the lead person, and like even just like she knows so much about it. And like Max, exactly what Max was saying is like she's trying to help Grace out by kind of easing into letting her know what's going on the situation. At the same time, Grace is so stubborn and so one sided. Like she's just so like she wants to be in control of everything. It seems like that she just doesn't get the hints. And like, even the kids, like Max said, even the kids like starting to, they're like, okay, there's something else in this house. And like, 
he, they definitely notice it better than Grace does. Although Grace mm-hmm. seems to experience more of it, of the supernatural part of it. The kids are kind of already accepted the fact that there's just something going on and, and they're, um, they have to kind of live with it. Um, it's if they're staying in the house, but again, Mrs. Mill, I think she did the best. Her performance, um, was probably the best one out of all of them. I mean, um, Anna, the other lady, the, the mute girl, I mean, she did a great job, but she didn't have any lines. I do like her. I do like <laughs> yeah. her story though. Like how later on we find out how she becomes mute and it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty interesting. That kind of was kind of a little shocker, but yeah. Yeah. I kind of w- had wished that they had expanded more on the other servants Yeah, in that obviously I know the one is mute, so she's not going to have much to contribute, but I feel like just her presence could have been used more to kind of elicit this idea of fear or tension. Like there's that one moment where Nicole Kidman is complaining that she's, for whatever reason, she thinks the servant is like running around doing gymnastics upstairs. And so she's like, can you go tell her to cut that out? And then she still hears the running and she looks out the window and the servants are all outside. Yeah. Basically like, I wish there had been more, uh, one or two more moments like that Mm. to, to just utilize that character more because she's obviously not going to provide anything narratively speaking. Yeah. So I think that she could have been, and I mean, other than the, the older gentleman who is, uh, he has to live out in the shed basically. Like (laughs) he didn't say much the entire movie Yeah. and it's mostly him just agreeing with Miss Mills and Mm -hmm. considering all of the servants are like quote unquote in on it. They understand what's going on and whatnot. I feel like they could have just utilized that relationship a little bit better. That, that scene where we noticed where she finds out that um, there was something paranormal. Grace finds out there's something paranormal when someone's running upstairs. That was, I thought that was probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie where it's like, she really notices that she's losing her mind. Like there's something going on in this house. Um, I think that that really kind of, that's when we get to see her, really kind of peeking at her craziness like this is not someone messing with me this is something that's going on in the house and the, it's definitely not the kids because there's multiple there's i mean obviously there's two kids but the kids are in separate rooms and they're locked so there's definitely not them that, that i thought that was a great scene yeah i really wish that um they had kind of just worked on developed mm-hmm. that a little bit more i mean that was another thing that i was why i was so conflicted on whether this was a haunting or whether this was just this mentally ill woman that's treated everybody around her like shit. And now they're basically like torturing her kind of mentally. I didn't mm-hmm. know if, because the kids play along with it. They're, uh, especially the little girl. And she's like, Oh, they ran that way. They ran that way. And I was unable to tell early on whether it was an instance of the kids kind of just like playing into this fantasy that the, uh, the mother's having, but I wanted to get your guys opinion on something that I just was thinking about and talking about is the music of the film, which actually the mm-hmm. director composed the movie too, which I had no idea um, yeah. until recently. What did you think of the music and kind of just the overall impact that had on the movie, Max? This is the first time where I actually kind of noticed the background music. Um, I I know that most, I know that all movies have some sort of score behind it to kind of, um, you know, give the scenes a more uh, a subtle feeling um, where you don't actually kind of pay, you don't pay attention to music, um, but you still hear it and it still kind of syncs up. This is the first time in a while that I could say that I noticed distinctly the music. Uh, it seemed to be a little louder uh, than most background scene music, um, but I thought it was good. I thought it fit and I thought it, it made sense for, 
the feeling and, and the mood that the director was kind of trying to get to. And considering that the director composed the music, I think he had, he was able to really hammer home the feeling that he was trying to give uh, with each scene, with each sequence. I definitely picked up on the music more too and how it just does such a great job of really capitalizing on the fact that this is such a slow burn of a movie that the scares themselves don't come until the later half. So the the music really kind of just helps steer us along and kind of add tension to scenes like Berto was saying earlier in that there's no overt kind of in your face scares early on. And yet those scenes are still really, really tense. That I feel like, so for the the intro, the music, I thought it was like we were talking about. It, it was like a fairy tale almost. Like to me, it seems like the the intro of the of the whole music of the of the intro of the movie is like this little fairy tale like song, like flute and violin kind of thing going on. And then like throughout the movie, it really like like Max was saying, like every note really adds to the intensity of the movie, and it really helps each scene because although there's no actual scary moments, it adds the in, to the intensity of the scene of there something is there and there's a haunting going on. Um, it really helps out with the fact that there's no kind of like, we don't get to see any kind of creepy monster. Mm-hmm. It really, the, the music really um, helps that those scenes out. Yeah. And I think in terms of you mentioning that it was like kind of this fairy tale aspect, I almost wish that we had gotten more scenes outside of the house. Cause I feel like it, it's almost a single setting location for the movie in that we're just in this massive house. And while characters venture out of the house, we see essentially they can't leave. And that's that scene that we briefly mentioned earlier where uh, Nicole Kidman leaves because she's going to go to town to go get the priest because she thinks that the house is haunted. But then she gets engulfed by that kind of fog. And then, of course, she runs into her husband. Uh, I'm kind of curious, Berta, did you think that that was actually her husband or that that was a continuation of kind of the haunting in general. I, so I, I don't know. I thought at first I was like, well, her husband was a war. So I think he, that's probably his ghost coming back home. Like you can, you can tell he's kind of out of it. He looks like he's shell shock. And he's like, I was like, Oh, that's definitely a ghost. There's no way it could be her husband coming back. Especially like, I don't know. I just see like the vibe that we get, like she's walking through the woods and it's foggy. And like, you really get to see the husband just kind of come out of nowhere. And it's like, oh man, like there's no way her husband came back alive from, from war war two. Like yeah. definitely not like so many people died. There's you no, know, what are the chances of hit of her husband being the one, one of those survivors, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, for me, I was like, I definitely had a feeling that he was definitely dead for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was her husband. I knew he was dead. Um, even on the second rewatch, I tried to like, play with the idea that maybe he's alive and and you know he he comes in and he sees his wife and he knows he's dead because he got a letter or something but um something that i noticed on the rewatch is that um throughout the movie whenever nicholas talks to ann about ghosts he's like no stupid ghosts um wear white sheets and they they carry chains and they you know clanking chains when the husband walks up it sounds like he's holding chains and it's really it's, yeah. it's clanking and it, he's making kind of a lot of like a lot of metallic noise and mm-hmm. it's kind of maybe it's you know the clothes that he's wearing um but for the most part he's making like that kind of heavy heavy footed clanking noise mm-hmm. and then when they get into the house the look of shock on mrs mill's face 
Like, yeah. Like, Oh, <laughs> he's not supposed to be here. Like, why is he here? You know, he didn't die on the property or, and she knows right away that he's dead. And so she's just like, yeah, I guess I will go deal with this now. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, she's gonna go make up another bed for a dead person. Yeah, she's like, "What the <laughs> hell is going on?" Like, you know, this, she wasn't expecting that, and that wasn't supposed to happen. But you know, when he was there, and then he left, or he disappeared, more or less. It, it was. I was a hundred percent sure that that you know he was dead. Yeah, and I think that scene really complements what Berto was talking about earlier, in that you have to pay attention to the characters and their facial features and their interactions with one another and kind of just reading into that, that further strangeness that we don't understand really is something that draws me in because like, I want to figure out what is happening behind the scenes and little moments like that. It's kind of like, that was the first thing I know. I didn't notice the sounds that he was making, but I did Mm -hmm. notice her reaction to seeing him. And it's like, why the fuck does she care if he showed up randomly? Like she just works here, but she like seemed super disturbed by him showing up to the fact that it's like, okay, something is seriously fucked up between their relationship. Right. Yeah. It definitely seems like, it seems like she, like, like Max was saying, like, you're not supposed to be here. Like what, like what happened? Like she clearly knows so much more about the history of the house and like what's going on that than Grace and she, Grace is just so happy for him to be there, but he just looks like shit. Like, I'm, why am I here? Like, I mean, to me, like, he's definitely dead. He's like, am I in this haunted house? Am I part of this house? What's going on? Like, why Mm -hmm. am I here? And like, you can tell even when he goes to lay down in bed, he's kind of like in shock. Like, it seems Mm -hmm. like he's like, oh, fuck, like, I'm stuck here. Like, why am I here? And then he kind of gets up. He's like, I got to go back to war. He kind of like his escape excuse, I guess, to like really try to leave this world that he's in now. Mm -hmm. Um, You can really tell that he's just like, I don't want to be here right now. Like I shouldn't be with you in that <laughs> right. sense. Like I was so far away. Like, why am I here? I don't know. It just seems very sketchy. You, you can tell he's definitely dead. Yeah. I interpreted it as he, he, he basically serves as a reminder that she needs to stay in the house and mm-hmm. that she tries to leave. And then this thing that brings her back to the house shows up. But then as soon as she's back in the house to further reinforce, like don't come looking for me. He just kind of like leaves and kind of just does it in the most damaging way possible where she's all traumatized from thinking that he's been dead for however many years he's been gone. He shows up, they reconnect. And then as soon as they kind of get settled, he kind of pushes away again and then disappears, which ensures Mm -hmm. like she would probably never leave the house because she's all traumatized again for a whole nother set of reasons. But if you guys want, we can get into the uh, twist. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do it. We're all kind of just, assuming and building towards a twist because we want to kind of, again, see what's behind the curtain of the movie. Why do some of these characters let on like they know what's happening? And then some of the characters are obviously in the dark, as it were. Um, Max, you did you remember the twist as well as you did the first time you saw it? Because well, you said something caught you off guard on a rewatch, so I was um, unsure if you picked up on anything different. Well, so... There, the, the thing that caught me off guard, I would say, is the interactions between um, the servants and Grace. Since they know from the beginning, they know what's going on. Um, there's that fire scene, the fireside scene, when Mrs. Mills is talking to Grace about their history and a little bit of the backstory. And Grace kept saying, you know, it feels like we never left. Like, we were here um, 
and she kept saying we left but if you if you see if you think of it as they left the world instead of leaving the island like they they died mm-hmm. you know um kind of like saying oh we passed away or we passed on or that and she kept saying we left or we leaving and but it doesn't feel like we ever left um then you kind of start to figure out like oh they're they're, they're dead like they're stuck there and especially with that twist um at the end um but i just i mean honestly i just had more questions than like the twist <laughs> the twist gave me more questions yeah. than answers yeah. um yeah but yeah i mean the, the twist was very kind of early 2000s sixth sense um mm-hmm. type of mm-hmm. type of feel what, what did you guys think about it i personally liked it it was it was cool because should we just say the twist? Like, yeah, yeah, let's oh. get into it. So, so it's like, so basically the, the family's dead and like they're basically ghosts living in a house. And I personally liked the fact that we, I think at least for me, this is probably the first time I ever watched the movie and we get to see things in the ghost point of view, yeah. in the mm-hmm. ghost world, yeah. which is kind of cool to really see like they, like, like at the end, like there's a family that's trying to live there and the ghosts themselves as Grace and the kids don't let them live there because they're, they think they're being they're being haunted by other ghosts when they're the ghosts in the house, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. It's really that was the first time for me I've ever seen a scary movie where it's it's looking at it from the ghost world point of view, and it's I think it it was a great job in the director's th- like point to do that. I think it was just unique. It's got its uniqueness, and it was really cool to really see that she wasn't really losing her mind. She's basically being haunted by what's actually living in the house, and it's not them. Mm-hmm. living in the house it's someone else or, or i guess other world for them yeah that was a really fantastic scene in that we see the parallels between the people that are actually alive that want to live in the house and they're doing the seance basically to communicate with what they refer to i think as the others and then mm-hmm. we see nicole kidman's from her point of view she's ripping up the papers and throwing them but then it snaps back and forth so nicole kidman sees her ripping up the paper but then the people that are actually alive just see papers flying and She's like banging on the table and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that really is a, now that you mentioned it, that's a super unique point of view that, I mean, I can't think of any other movie where we've gotten something like that. Um, yeah. I really did all, like how they kind of just build up on this idea that, okay, we found out that the servants are ghosts, but even at that moment, we still don't know that Grace and the kids are ghosts. And mm-hmm. this idea that the ghosts, it kind of just, it builds on, the ending that you could, I don't know, during the time I was watching it, I could see that there was a potential where the servants were actually ghosts. That was like a possibility mm. that I thought of. But then yeah. once Grace gets inside the house and won't let the ghosts inside, the ghosts say, oh, you're in there with the others. And that kind of mm. just heightens something that was, you could see that being a potential ending and just makes it that much scarier after the reveal. Because then I was scared again at this idea that there's still something in the house. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, when we get that jump scare, when the kids are hiding in the cabinet, like when I basically jumped out of my seat almost when we were watching <laughs> yeah. it, um, it's just kind of like, okay, we've had this reveal and yet there's still another layer to this that we still don't understand that I think a lot of directors just don't have the the insight or the creativity or whatever to kind of take it one step further. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was definitely for, uh, I mean, for me, I thought it was so well done. The fact that we get to see like crazy, like, like you said, like, um, 
Grace thinks she's leaving the ghost outside of the house when clearly she's stuck in there with other people. Mrs. Mill says, yeah, there's other people there. And like, she, I think the kids are still, I think at that point, everybody's all freaked out. So they, they're hypersensitive to anything. Right. And then they find out that there's people up, I think in one of the rooms or the dining room, I think they were like basically trying to get into their world and to see what kind of spirits they are. And then, again, it kind of like, I don't know, for me, like, when I think of ghosts, I think of like, usually like we always see like ghosts that are evil, but like from watching it, this movie, from this movie, I get the sense of like ghosts just don't want to be bothered. That's mm-hmm. why they, we get like, I don't know, I guess you hear paranormal activities of like ghosts walking through the hallway and they, it seems like ghosts are very unhappy to be there or like they just want their own space. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird to connect that there's two different where like we get to see like Grace is very upset when she's throwing the papers and it's like, those are ghosts. That's, I feel like that's like, goes trying to communicate like get the hell out of my house kind of thing you know i don't know i just kind of it kind of for me in my head it put everything together was like why we see paranormal activities even like in our lifetime like us in general you know and it's like ghosts are scared and they're probably like they're upset about something so that's why we get to see that their reaction yeah absolutely and i think that it is a really great example of deviating from kind of like you had said the paranormal activity stuff that we're very much accustomed to and we would expect where it's all tied into like the devil basically right at the end of the day where there's demons they just want to hurt people and all these things whereas i consider this to be like a very much like a gothic uh haunting movie in that it really does capture kind of just the morose nature of being a spirit or being a ghost in that you're not there to hurt people or anything but it's like you're in this perpetual state of you're in this limbo to take a page out of grace's book Uh, You're in this limbo of just sorrow and sadness. And now she has to remember what she did to her kids. And that's just her reality now. Like she's with them. But at the same time, she just thinks about that all day, every day. Now, this idea that she killed her kids and killed herself. Yeah, That was a a rough scene. Super. When they explained that, how that that came about. Yeah, it's a super fucked up version of Groundhog's Day. Where (laughs) you're just just living the same thing over and over and over again. And. You know, it was, there were small details um, after you learn about the twist and even on a rewatch, like I would encourage you guys to rewatch it now that you see the the movie and notice the little Mm -hmm. nuances of, you know, the various interactions that like, um, you know, Grace said she hadn't talked to her family in you know, this amount of time and that she put uh, a letter in the mail um, that never got sent. Mm -hmm. You know, she asked for... uh, you know, she needed more servants. Like put an advertisement out in the newspaper that was five days ago, and the mailman's not here. I don't know why he hasn't come. This and you. Well, yeah, you you killed your kids and you killed yourself in the house. So no one, no one's coming to get <laughs> no your mail. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. yeah, and nobody's doing a wellness check after right. that. Right. Yeah, and so <laughs> um, I thought it. And then yeah, obviously what Berto said the seeing the seeing a haunting having ghosts being afraid of the living, the living being afraid of the ghost. But I was confused. One thing, I, I guess it was more question. It was kind of a meta, uh, meta thing where how many, how many ghosts actually live in the house? Like when was the house built? Because if you just kind mm-hmm. of build up these layers of hauntings, um, mm-hmm. you know, how many, how many ghosts are going to live in the house at one time? And then, you know, when 
the people sense the ghosts or the ghosts sense the people, are they still, how are they living together? Because uh, Grace is locking all the, slamming and locking all the doors behind her. And so did Victor's mm-hmm. family for those few days, were the doors constantly opening, you know, open and closing and locking behind them? Like, I don't, how do they manipulate the physical world? Like as much as yeah. how much does the living um, manipulate their world? Because on that last seance scene, um, when they left, the, it kind of faded back from modern to past, you know, like uh, Anne's marionette mm-hmm. puppet tower was still there and their, her room went back to, you know, their time. And so, you know, like, and, but they also took all the curtains down. So I was just kind of where, where that overlap was, um, was a little confusing to me, but I think I was just overthinking it. That seems like it would be a pain in the ass to live in a house like that. Yeah. Where every door is like locked. I'm like, Jesus. Right. right. I'd be so annoyed. If, yeah. Yeah. I'd be so annoyed if a ghost keeps locking your door. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You wake up and your door's locked again and then you have to. Yeah. 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 I mean that you raise a good point with that in that what's so special about the three servants that show up? And why did the other servants disappear? Yeah. Like this idea of why is there this rotating stable of servants, but essentially they're people that have died in the house because we get that photo album and it has all these different generations of people. Mm-hmm. So you have to assume that all of the ser- quote unquote servants are just the ghosts of people that live there and died. But what makes the specific ones so special, I guess, is the right. question that I had at the end of the movie. Yeah. Or yeah. because- how else would Grace not realize unless, like you said, Max, she's in this infinite Groundhog's Day scenario where it's just a, a rotating stable of ghost servants. Mm-hmm. But she just can't remember. Like every time she comes to the door and there's a new crop of servants, is it just like a memory reset where every single time she's like, okay, yeah, the last batch disappeared. So now you guys can fill in kind of thing. Right. Mm, I wonder. I wonder if they're stuck in a limbo themselves. Yeah, like right. like she was talking about like a ghost mm. limbo like where the servants the other servants from the, the past have gone to another part of whatever hell or heaven or whatever you want to call it and mm. like they're stuck in a limbo where they can't get out and and same with the servants they're just stuck in there too with them because there's a certain i mean they were buried in the backyard mm. um the servants so it's like that's why they're stuck there but the other the other servants from the from the family before is like they have probably gone to another kind of place same with the husband i feel like he's kind of like he's not stuck in that limbo because he died doing something else and maybe he gets to travel i guess to another world or universe or whatever Mm -hmm. so maybe she's she and the kids are stuck in that limbo because they physically died in that building right or in the house true yeah because the kids died in the house and then he doesn't die in the house so he so every time her thing resets like obviously he's not back with them because he didn't die in the house. Mm. Right. So he probably goes back to the war wherever he died mm-hmm. and he kind of walks those places right. I guess or haunts them. Yeah. And it, it was strange. Um at, so you know at the end of the movie there is that you know, a certain level of acceptance that they're dead and that they're you know they're together and they're you know oh this is our house this is our house. But it's also like if you know you're dead and people are going to keep moving in, are you going to keep acting like assholes and like <laughs> try to scare them out? <laughs> or are you going to just be yeah. like, are you going to be cool with it and realize that you guys live on two different planes, you know, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. 
you know, you don't interact with each other at all. You can't really, it's a, honestly, it's a minor so, inconvenience that yeah, you're sharing the same yeah. space, you know, unless she's living with this new realization every single time, you know, like yeah. maybe this is the third set of family members or whatever that have tried to move in. And every single time, like even uh, Miss Mill says, I can't tell you basically she can never come and they never really explain that, but she can't just come out and tell her what is happening. Mm. She has to figure it out for herself. So by the logic that we're all operate, like what we've been talking about, maybe the reason that she's never just accepting of it is because every time she gets the opportunity to, to grow as a ghost, uh, she could, <laughs> she just can't like grow because she forgets. Yeah. Yeah. She resets. Right. I mean, that's, that's a, yeah. yeah. With, I feel like she would be like, like Max said, you would be a dick to be keep haunting. Yeah, I feel like right. you should probably be like, these people are just going to keep coming back. Like, or might as well be nice to them yeah, or something. I don't know. Don't lock the door. <laughs> like, I'm so annoyed. Just like, chill. <laughs> leave, leave the curtains <laughs> down. You you locked know? in there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, yeah. And I think with the twist, like knowing the ending and then the opening scene when Grace, she wakes up and she's just screaming at the top of her lungs. I think that mm. I don't I don't know if that's her like that's the first day that she was yeah. dead, or if it was mm. you know she'd already been dead for a little while. Um, I don't mm. the timeline. I think just the nature of the the story. I think the timeline is kind of all over the place as well because it's hard to tell if it's if it's hard to tell if it's like night or day with the curtains constantly closed. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I could, I had a hard time following kind of building a timeline in my head about how many days had passed. And maybe that was part of the ghost experience, you know, this kind of <laughs> right. groundhogs. Put you in their shoes. Yeah. Never ending days. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a movie that I, now that you mentioned it, like I want to rewatch it to start to pick up on these little things. There, I read something online that was like, oh, if you notice the kids are constantly pale, so that's an illusion of the fact that they're dead. But I was like, that doesn't really spell anything out for you because that could be a byproduct of their supposed photosensitivity disease. So, right. mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you can make that leap and bounds to that conclusion. But at the same time, I think you're right in that I'm, re- I'm as I'm thinking about the intro to the movie, it was very sudden and very kind of random seeming. But mm-hmm. now that I we all know what the twist is, Sure, that makes sense that it's the idea that she she's resetting and yet what she is screaming about is the realization of what she did, but she resets so she doesn't know what was scaring her basically. Yeah. Or the Yeah, that's a good point, Max. Or the uh or that's her initial reaction. You know, she shot herself in the head and so she was expecting the pain. So when she screamed, that's what she you know, it, you expect it to hurt, yeah. but if you don't feel any, you know, you, you're, you die instantly. So you don't really feel anything. That's what I was just thinking about. I'm like, maybe she's reacting to the fact that she realized she shot herself in the head and didn't feel anything. And now she's waking up in the bed. Like I was just, I was yeah, just like, whatever. I think she was sitting down when you shot herself. And it's like, how am I waking up right now? And she's just kind of yelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I actually read uh, as recent as April of this year, um, this website Deadliner reported that Sentient Entertainment, which I've never heard of, uh, they acquired the remake rights to the others. And so they're planning on revamping the others into a present day setting. What are your guys' reactions to that just right off the bat? We, we don't have anything other than that premise to go off of, but what is your initial reaction to that? I feel like it's going to feel like a Sixth Sense kind of movie. I feel like it's going to be that. 
Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, fuck I it. Hope, do I it. hope they don't ruin. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I feel like you would have to add like some kind of supernatural, like scary monster kind of thing, just because I feel like that kind of storytelling, you have to have a really great story to really zoom in on the fact that there's no real scary pop-up. I mean, there's two pop-up scary scenes, at least for me. And it's basically story-based. So you have to have a great story to really keep you intrigued to the fact that nothing really goes on throughout the movie except for what's happening throughout the story. I'm not mm. a fan of reboots. So, I mean, sometimes they're all right. Sometimes, you know, they fall on their face. But, like, like yeah, just like Birdo said, I think you need to have a really strong cast. And as long as you follow the story exactly and not try to mm-hmm. throw your own twist on it, I think it could be pretty good. Um, but I don't know if this style of movie will sit well in this day and age as this generation, because I feel a lot of times we have been desensitized mm-hmm. to this because I didn't, I didn't find the movie yeah. particularly scary. Um, mm-hmm. There's some creepy parts and like definitely, you know, a jump scare too. But if you remake this movie and throw it on the horror supernatural um, genre. I think people will go into it thinking that it's going to be way scarier right, exactly. than it is. I don't think they'll be. I don't think they'll be willing to sit through a slow burn, um, you know, campfire. Campfire. Yeah, story. I, uh, I, I don't know how this is going to work present day because the original film is so reliant on the atmosphere that's crafted from the time period, like. There's no electricity yeah. in the house. There's no conventional means of like telephones and whatnot. Um, they keep the curtains closed. The kids have a photosensitivity disease, like these kinds of things that are very, they're just very central to this idea of like this being set back in the day. If this is set in the present day and like a mother's telling the kids, like you have a photosensitivity disease, the kids just going to hop on that fucking iPhone and just start Googling that shit <laughs> yeah. and find out that it's more than likely nonsense or or we're going to get yeah. a whole bunch of scenes where one of the kids decides to use his cell phone to try to record something happening. They turn the flash on and there's like a face right there or something like that. Like, mm, yeah. it's just the time period and the restrictiveness of that time period. Um, just, I think it's so central to the story because like you said, Berto, it's not about big in your face scares the entire time. It's more about just the atmosphere and the tone that, uh, that setting really just evokes. But, uh, I think this was a really great movie to pick. Uh, I was happy to get to see one that I haven't gotten to see yet. And uh, I appreciate you guys coming on again to chat about it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, man. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.